Thanks, Richard. We uh, continue exploring our uh, reflections, our um, understanding of God's purposes for the world, for creation and for ourselves as humanity located within God's greater purposes. So we're talking about God's mission plan that's an ongoing project. It's something that has continues to develop and continues to be frustrated by the disobedience, by rebelliousness, by evil that also is current in the world. God's purposes will prevail, they'll reach their goal, but we're in that space where we look out and we say to God, yes, but shalom is wonderful, this notion of a harmonious, flourishing, safe place, a place of refuge, a place to be nurtured. But when we look at the world, we have battles, we have invasion, we have a lot of acts of violence in our own community, even in our own households. What's going on here? What, what is your purpose? What is, how will you respond to these issues? And uh, as we continue today, we're taking on a, uh, a familiar passage in uh, Genesis 4 around the um, killing of Abel by his older brother Cain. Now, a little aside to start with, I, one, was one element that I think is overlooked in this passage a lot in its interpretation is actually there are three brothers. After Cain and Abel, um, after Abel was killed, there was another child born called Seth. And Seth actually became the righteous line for which God's purposes of salvation continued. I think youngest sons are overlooked, actually. You know, I just... <laughs> just want to say that, you know, by the time parents get to the youngest son, they get it right. <laughs> the fact that I'm the youngest of four boys is pure coincidence in that particular observation. What we see in these chapters of Genesis is that these characteristic acts are not just true for those times and those people, but actually are true for all time and of all society. Tension amongst families is not unknown. Sadly, violence within families is all too prevalent in our own community. But also we can see that this becomes, the ripple effects of these events just get wider and wider. So as we read these chapters of Genesis and we start with Adam and Eve and now we extend out to their family and before long it extends out to their community and out to the wider society. So by the time we get to the Tower of Babel, a whole city-state, is also acting in the same way. It's like a, a rock that's thrown into a pond and the ripple effect goes further and further afield. So we see these characteristics develop. Now, at one level, the message is obvious. If, if you are brothers and you have a falling out, don't kill, your, you know, don't kill the younger brother. That, I'm taking it that that's not a contentious application Sadly, actually, we need to remind people of it these days. But I want to go deeper in these narratives because there's also a, a, a deeper level which I think does really challenge us. It becomes incredibly countercultural. It pushes against the tide of where our Western culture is going. And that is around the prevalence of individualism. One of the striking lines in this narrative and it's intentional the way it's shaped, 
was not just the act of violence of Cain over his brother Abel. And why his, you know, his offering was not accepted, we're not actually told. There's something that wasn't acceptable to God in terms of how Cain, the attitude behind the gift, the sacrifice the, the, that uh, Cain was making. But again, that's not the focus of the narrative. What jumps out is when God looks at Cain and says to him, where's your brother? Now, actually, God knows where <laughs> Cain has actually been, uh, has, what he's been up to. How does Cain respond? You know, how would I know? Am I my brother's keeper? Assuming that the answer is no, you're not. We know from the passage and we know from the rest of Scripture that the actual answer is actually, yes, you are. You ought to know. You have a responsibility, not just for yourself, but for others as well. Now, it took me about 0.25 seconds on Google last night to find a whole series of memes around, it's about me. Um, Fiona and I had a, a brief moment. It was taking too much time for me to dwell with it. But one of the sitcoms has a character who's, whenever a conversation is going away in another direction, I can't remember who it is, but they would say, back to me, back to me. <laughs> Bring the conversation back to me. Um, and, you know, it's true. There's, there's the lines, and there can be, there, there are humorous lines. You know, today it's all about me, me, and me. Um, or the other one is all about me, just deal with it. And uh, so it goes on. And we can laugh about those lines, but there's also a, a, a scary notion that some people take that seriously. There's an element in which that has become um, understandable but troublesome. When young children are born, for parents and grandparents, we will say to the children, you are the most important person in the world to us. You know, you are so precious. And we mean it. And that is good and healthy. Please don't hear me saying, don't affirm the young ones. But somewhere in their growing up, someone needs to tell them, actually, you're not the most important person in the world. And actually, you can't just do whatever you like. And actually, you need to recognise that some of your choices and actions will impact on other people. That's not okay. Now, it's actually a whole... The schools and the whole you know, village that raises a child reinforces those messages. But somewhere in that midst in the Western culture, that sense that I actually am the most important person in my life and I'll do what I need and if others are holding me back or causing problems, I'm just going to put them to one side. That response of Cain is a response of much of our Western culture. Not my problem. And I'll just walk by. I'm just going to think after myself. And that becomes seriously troubling for community as well. We become very introspective, very self-focused. So we can look at that and realise that becomes a message our wider community needs to hear and to learn, and the younger generation in particular. Most of us have come from a culture in which being part of community organisations, and there's a good number in this part of Adelaide in particular, is what you do. And you contribute and you receive back. It's actually healthy for our community and we can take on projects that we work together. And I know St Matthews has a long history 
of either partnering with those projects or contributing to them as well. We want to give back to that community around us. Our younger generation actually aren't hearing that message. And often the respond to a request is, well, what's in it for me? And focusing, well, what we've been told that our life is about our being true to ourselves and uh, living that out as we go. And for the best will in the world at times, it can be damaging to other people around us. Now I'm going to give a couple of illustrations where I'm not looking at anyone in the room, okay? I've got your attention, I know, just by saying that. But, I'm, um, but these are illustrations I use with uh, training some people for ministry, for those in formation, as well as some of our safer ministry practices as an uh, Anglican church that I'm involved in. The principle behind it is important, but let me just start by a, uh, a disclaimer that I know you'll, you'll be thinking, no, that is certainly not true. I'm an introvert. I know you're surprised by my saying that. Those of you who know me, I'm actually an introvert. I like my space. Um, I'm okay with that. That's all right. reason I go with that is that not everyone is an introvert. There are some who, just when they're in the room, they fill the space, which is fine, it's great. When it comes to the line, look, I'm just going to hug everyone in this room because that's the sort of person I am. I just want to go and hug. And we experience, us poor introverts, the experience of people embracing us and we're thinking, um, give your space, thank you. Um, I'm, not, I'm not alone in that space as we go. Others would also put it in the terms of, well, I just speak my mind. I just say it like it is. I'm a just candid sort of person. And they would speak in a way which can actually be quite harmful and hurtful for others. To... Where do I go with that by way of formation, for people training for ministry and for leadership roles? I will say to them, it's actually not about you. You may be a great huggy person and you may enjoy that, but not everyone else in the room is. It's not about you. Take your cues from others, and if people want some space and some distance, you respect that. And similarly, when it comes to, well, I just speak my mind, and I just, you know, just a candid sort of person, um, just have to cope with it. And I'll say to those training in ministry, actually, you need to be careful of your words, because words can bruise. And they need to be, we're told to be very careful as to how we exercise how we speak with uh, a concern for how others would hear those types of things. Now that, they are particular type of examples but the thinking behind it is be aware of our, our social space and be aware that it's not all about us in that space. If you're in a group ask others you know, what's their story, what is uh, of interest to them as well. We don't all need to be the people who will dominate the conversations. Now, I know all those sort of things are obvious and they're in their own way trivial, but actually they do make a difference, a significant difference <coughs> to people feeling safe, people feeling as though this is a, a place where I can be myself and that is respected, that is okay as well. Let me give you an example that again is, I had the conversation with someone, it may be in this room and I've forgotten who it is, so apologies for that, but I'll give the illustration anyway. Go on a regular walk every um, morning or three days a week, I think they said, with their dog and 
just bump into similar people who were out in the, going for walks at a similar time of day. Um, and just started the habit of just greeting people, you know. Morning, good to see you. And after time, you begin to build some kind of connection with people. And you may even begin to get to know them by name. Fiona and I had someone in our neighbourhood in Elizabeth North um, who would walk at the same time of day quite regularly. And I was either walking a dog or out in the front garden a little bit. Um, and she, you could just tell, was, had been dreadfully bruised. She was just battle-scarred <laughs> by life. Um, and her eyes would be down and would just walk every morning. And Fiona and I just made a point of just saying, good morning, you know, and then beginning to comment, say things like the weather and other items. I think it was after about a month that she then would open and let her know her name. And so we were greeted by name as she would go through. And for Fiona in particular, she told a bit more of her story, where she came from. You know, when we have neighbourhoods where people actually catch each other's eye and are able to do those greetings, it actually does make a difference, doesn't it? And if you go in a space where everyone's either got their face down to the ground and not looking at anyone else, or everyone's on the phone as they walk around, I don't know about you, but I get a little bit frustrated by that. Um, there's a Swahili word I've been taught a few times, and I keep forgetting it. But the word means on a greeting. The Swahili word for greeting is, G'day, how are you? The Swahili word is, I see you. Isn't that a lovely greeting? I see you. <laughs> because that actually makes a difference as well. When we focus on the, the sin of disobedience, I want to just touch briefly on how that also pervades the church. So the second reading we had in 1 Corinthians 12 about the body of Christ, ironically, was actually the passage we had at the bishops, national bishops meeting yesterday morning. What does that mean for us as a national church? It actually reinforces the same point, is that we were created, and certainly we have been recreated in the body of Christ, to be part of a body where we each contribute and we need everyone to be healthy and vital and active in that space. Not just those who are uh, the most prominent or those who are most glorious. and uh, We need every part of the body to be functioning as well. If we get to the stage within the body of Christ where we say to people, well, I have no need of you, and if that begins to permeate in relationships between churches and others, then we are entering into a space where we are offending the mission of God and actually, I believe, being sinful. God says, no, you're not to say I have no need of you. What does the passage say? We need each other in that body, and that can be hard work. The challenge for me, as I reflect on that, is that I can do that with ease for those that I'm comfortable with. I can do it at ease at St Matthews. I mean, it's, I'm going to be honest, it's <laughs> lovely being back amongst uh, friends old and new, those who we know and have had wonderful times and experiences and some challenging times as well, and some new faces and others as well. But we need to keep reminding ourselves the challenge is not just for those that we are at ease with, those who share similar um, interests and come with similar stories and background. We need to be mindful that our wider community can be very different to that. 
are we the keepers for our Sudanese refugees who have come into, into Adelaide? And now increasingly those from Afghanistan, those who have come from uh, Ukraine, who may come in time as well. Sit down and understand that the story of some of the South Sudanese who as young lads walked thousands of miles through battlefields to find themselves eventually in a refugee camp where they spent 12 to 15 years in tents in a refugee camp um, before they eventually arrived in Australia. Makes us realise that there's a lot of people out there who actually stories are very different from our own. But they share the one Lord. They have the one faith. They are our brothers and sisters. And we are their keeper. So our calling is always to look beyond ourselves. But also recognise the danger of thinking it's easier to be independent. So the notion of individualism also is the notion of <coughs> I want to exercise my freedom. I have rights. I you shouldn't, no one should be telling me this. I will decide for myself. When actually as a society, we need, do need leaders to tell us, no, actually as a society we need to do these things together as well. So there's a whole culture of, you know, I'm gonna, no one's going to tell me what to do. That again is not healthy, not of God's purposes. Now, do leaders always get it right? No. But I actually happen to think in South Australia we are well served in that space. Um, by our, our public servants in, in a whole range of ways. But the sin of individualism is, is much more subtle than we realise. So as we sit with that, as I've been sitting with it in anticipation of uh, preaching today, it's, it starts with me and that self-examination. Um, am I opening my eyes? Am I gathering around people when I ask the question, how are you going, and I really want to know the answer. What can I do to help? What can I do to assist? And how's your week been? I actually think it's a real gift that St Matthews has had over the years. It is a warm, generous, gracious church. But we never take that for granted. And I think our challenge and our calling for the next season of ministry is to be quite intentional about that and working through how can we connect up with those that we don't know in our neighbourhood? How can we ask those who walk past in the street just to get to know, you know, how are you going? Who are you? You're most, not just welcome to us, but can we come to you and, and to enter into that space as well? And my sense is that God is at work in us because I know that God is speaking to a lot of us in a sense of what can I contribute as part of the body that we have here, that together as the body we begin to be intentional about God's mission and God's purposes with the great blessings that we have to offer that we have received ourselves. So on that note, I'm going to leave the passage with you as well. Uh, there's a uh, song a little bit later before we have our prayers that picks up some of those themes around my prayer for you as well. Jamie, let me know what's going to come up next. <laughs>